0: Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin, Texas, Sports, The Horn. I woke
1: up to
2: the sky Austin's only local morning sports conversation rolls on, and we appreciate you rolling with us. However, you're finding us, maybe you're just tuning in. That's fine. If you've been with us since 6 a.m. We appreciate that as well. If you're locked in on our Horn app. On your smart speaker at your office, sitting in traffic, which has been a nightmare this morning, apparently. Uh, also on our Twitch camera at hornfm.com or on our YouTube channel. Thank you so very much for uh, helping this show grow very quickly. And we're excited to take it into football season 12 days away. It means a little over 12, but uh, a week beyond that will be the NFL season starting mm-hmm. up. And we're counting down those days, Rod Babers. We're counting thing. down those days. And I know you. Uh, had a fun weekend, and uh, here we are cranking it up. But it's starting to get you getting a little twitchy over there. Starting to feel the football.
1: Oh, it's here, Jones. I mean, what do we got? Uh, zero week is uh, upon us.
2: Yeah, we got games this week. Got
1: games this week, and then you got Texas football in less than two weeks.
2: Yeah, we'll have more on the Longhorn wow. uh, scrimmage, and sorry anticipating sharks. <laughs> Uh, sharks. Sarks. A conversation Hey, hey
1: you got sharks on the brain. That's a, shark, a Freudian slip. Got shark Sharknado that you just reported that's happening in California. So I'm looking at video. The,
2: the hurricane. Well, listen, it's, it's 9 sharknado. o'clock here, which means it's, eight, it's 7 o'clock in Los Angeles, which means the sun has now come up. And the the, the scenes are unbelievable. Uh, so this Hurricane Hillary that mm-hmm. made landfall, and there, I don't think there's ever been a hurricane in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, they downgraded to so a tropical storm, but it's, it, it did some. It wreaked havoc. Like it well, and damage. it's
2: just heavy rain at this point, mm-hmm. which is a lot. And and there's a storm surge, which comes with any storm like that, even if it gets downgraded. And it came right up through Mexico and then, you know, right, right through Palm Springs. Uh, Las Vegas is getting hit pretty hard with the heavy rain in Los Angeles and L.A. County, San Diego. And so it's just a lot of flooding but that obviously that storm surge comes from the Pacific Ocean and so yeah there are sharks in the LA river come on man this is nightmare fuel you ta- you talking about sharks and then the other thing that they were like warning I was watching some of the weather channel flood last night cuz remember they were going this most of the heavy rain was going to come overnight in the dark and when it made landfall oh, and no. it was going to come right through the desert right through Palm Springs which is it's it's the desert usually it's just hot well, it's also snake season. Okay. Rattlesnake season. Nice, E. So the floods, the, the, the warning from the weather people, like, don't get in, if they're standing, like if there's high water, don't, because this is California, don't get out your surfboard. <laughs> <laughs> don't get out your paddleboard. So, <laughs> don't.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't get in the water. Don't try to, no recreational activities in this water.
2: Leave your kayak at home. There's right? sharks in the water. Sh-
1: and snakes. Sharks and snakes in flood. Water, yeah, and okay. cars
2: and cars and
1: and all types of stuff, whatever is floating in the water. That is a crazy video, though. Of these these cars, well, you know,
2: the L.A. River. You see being it in, submerged. You see it in movies all the time, right? Where they drive when it's when it's dry, and there's they drive in it. No, oh, yeah, yeah, I know all I kinds of scenes in the L.A. River. When yeah, it's, when it's, well, it's full now.
1: That is nuts. That is crazy. Yeah, they got an earthquake five, I think five point one on the Richter scale.
2: I think the craziest picture I saw was Dodger Stadium, where it's just water all around it. Yeah, it's, it's like, crazy. It looks like an island in the middle of a lake. Yeah. Oh, I've not seen that photo. I'll send it to you. Okay. Uh, well, because it's. The, when the it. sun's just coming Look up. These guys,
1: like, jogging by the flood water. <laughs> Dude, just, just jogging. Just uh, going for a little jog.
2: Well, and it came from south to the north, so it's brought snakes from the desert, and these guys are going to go across that ridge. Yeah, don't do that, guy. Don't
1: try to cross the. Oh. They, don't, he T, did it. He did it, but still, it's not smart. They tell you, they tell you hey, that in Texas. Like, come
2: on, there's a hurricane. You got to watch sk-
1: the flash floods, man. Rod, right, I
2: know you get up and jog before the show in the morning. You could skip your jog for a hurricane.
1: Uh, yes, I would. <laughs> I would skip the because I'm not into life risking activities for recreational purposes, and that would count.
2: You're going running during a hurricane. <laughs> yeah. No thanks. That is crazy. The
1: shark nados, you got rattlesnakes. You got all those
2: clever movie makers out there that are going to say. <gasps> This yeah. could be a movie. The now we've seen it.
1: The hurricane is definitely going to be a thing. <laughs> the Hurriquake. Sharknado's already got like three or four. How many Sharknado's have they made? Like four Like four a of few. these things?
2: I've never seen it. I've never seen any of them. I
1: watched, I think, the first one. I will admit. And it was just like, it's one of those. It's like a cocaine bear.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, a one-watch. It's a maybe half,
0: watch half the movie. Yeah,
1: it's it's, 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 perp- <laughs> it's made purposely bad. It's yes. intentionally made as a bad movie. You're supposed to enjoy the a good bad movie. Yeah. There you
2: go. Um. All right. So that's going on out in LA. The sun has come up. And uh, speaking of, of west of us, we're going to go at the bottom of the hour. Uh, it's our Horn Top Twenty countdown, and we will check in with our buddy Pete Futak at the College Football News. Uh, he's going to get us the four one one from his perspective on our number eleven team, which was Friday with Washington, and then today's number ten team, which are the Utah Utes. Utah Utes, Rod.
1: Hey. The a hey, the Utes. Man, they they the Utah they they win more than most college football fans realize.
2: Yeah, Kyle Whittingham is along with Mike Gundy. He's been the there so dean damn long. <laughs> longest standing coaches. Right? Yeah. like when Gary Patterson was let go at TCU, he and then Mike Gundy became the longest tenured coaches at their You're current right. universities.
1: Oh yeah, I didn't realize that. But Jerry it makes sense because he's been there forever. Did he take over after like Urban Meyer left? Was yes. it that long ago? It was it that really was that he the next coach after Urban Meyer left? He uh, might have to I be. He,
2: well, he, he had was. to be. Ryan Day? Huh? No, Ryan Day's at Ohio State. We're talking Ohio at? Utah. Utah. He's Utah. at Utah.
1: I'm talking about like, U- like, way, way, Urban Meyer's first, first.
2: <laughs> where he went undefeated. Where he went undefeated. Alex Smith was his quarterback, on right? On his way to Florida. Yeah.
1: Was it that long ago? Are we talking about that far back? No way.
2: I'll look at it. I will. It might be. And we're going to preview the Utah Utes yeah. and the Washington Huskies. With no, Todd
1: Williams is great. He's a, he's a really good coach. I'm a right. fan. He's
2: got a he recruits to a style. And he's, yeah. and he's still got a former Longhorn playing quarterback for him. And, and Cam Cameron Rising.
1: Rising, who's balling right now, re-
2: starting running back yeah. and quarterback. It Texas. is true. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Jacquidity Jackson starting running back. There. Jackson, who was a quarterback yeah. at one time, out Duncan, right out of Duncanville High. <laughs> Roshan. Ro- 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 he's he's got some Roshan vibes. So oh, they he was the quarterback so on the those compliment. great Duncanville teams that fell short a few times uh, to win a state title. So, Kyle, Kyle
1: Whittingham, it was
2: not S coach. Yeah, wow. 05 to now. So five they, to now. They,
1: they tell, that's two good hires in a row. We talk about how it's, it's hard to get three great hires in a row because Kyle, Kyle Whittingham like a college football Hall of Famer. You think uh, as a hall of, as a coach i mean, um, I got to look at the resume. I have not. I'll admit that. But he's, he's won a lot of games. I'll give
2: you a little quick resume. He won a lot of he's, games, man. He won a lot of games. He really is. And and won back-to-back. I mean, punked Lincoln Riley a couple times last That's year. That's what I'm saying. Beat them twice. So my
1: point is, remember my, my take about how it's really tough for any program to hire three Hall of Fame coaches in a row. It's really tough. Well, they they've definitely hired two. They got two home run hires in a row with Urban Meyer and then with Kyle Winningham. That's just, he just really He was national
2: tough. coach of the year in '08. Pac-12 title twice, including last year.
1: They're so underrated. Like, nobody realizes how much Utah wins.
2: In 08, <laughs> when they had their best season under him, he won the Bear Bryant Award for Coach of the Year. And they got, I guess, a share of the natty, right? I mean, I guess they claim that.
1: Oh, I uh, guess you're right. Because people
2: always assume that was with Urban Meyer, but Urban Meyer was gone. He was gone already. When they had that undefeated season. You're right. He left. Yeah.
1: And is that when they beat Bama? who uh, they beat? In the bowl uh, game. They, they beat,
2: sure. yeah, they won the Sugar Bowl. They beat they Bama, they right? They beat Alabama. I
1: remember that game. Cause I remember 31-17. Being, yeah, they don't oh, know. They put it on them. They put it on Bama. They just beat Bama. They put it on Bama, that game.
2: <laughs> well, we're going to learn about, I uh, mean, obviously you've got a, about a 23-year-old quarterback and a big running back. And they've got a style, and that style Lincoln Riley didn't figure it out last year because they just bully-balled USC. to too
1: physical for them. Those tight ends, remember? They, yeah. they, they still might have, even with tight ends leaving, they still might have one of the best groups of tight ends in the country.
2: And Washington's really good, too. Longhorns found that out in the Alamo Bowl. Mm-hmm. And we previewed them a little bit on Friday. We'll get Pete, Pete Futak's thoughts on it coming up. We're also talking about Texas and their uh, Depth chart defining scrimmage from the weekend. We'll get more of that coming up. With Rods, with the, actually, let's do that right now. Uh, we'll we'll get to the very latest, but it's time for Rod's rant, uh, second of the morning, as we get you caught up in uh, on all things from the weekend.
1: I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore.
2: Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real.
0: You ain't keeping it. Ra- My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. Oh, what's what's you like you've done it, do it now. It's time for Rod's oh. rant of the day. Hold on to your butts.
1: Uh, more than, not, not so much a rant. It's more about research and uh, just some concerns I do have. I was actually watching uh, some film from last season, uh, and I, w- I went back and watched all the sacks. Because I wanted to... Do some research about the Texas offensive lines. I think this season, the passing game, because you have so many dangerous weapons in the passing game, could end up being the identity of the offense this season. Last year, it was pretty simple. Put some Bijan on it with a side of Rojo. You got two NFL running backs who, by the way, uh, both averaged over five yards per touch in their uh, last preseason game. You know what's I, funny
2: when you saw them on Saturday is they looked like they did last year. Yeah, they did. Exactly. <laughs> like, they looked, oh, you're in the NFL now.
1: Yep, you thought, oh, man, it's going to be a regression of some kind. Nope, they look, look perfectly comfortable. And I think, honestly, in the end, I don't know what's going to happen, I think Rojo at one point will end up being a starter in the NFL too. I don't know for what team or whatever, maybe for well, the Bears. Think he'll end up there at one point.
2: Well, and Bijan's first run was like a twenty-yard dash or fourteen-yard yeah. run. Oh. Where he awesome. should have been down at the four-yard point, but he, he got, broke like two, three tackles. He made a dude <laughs> with, uh, with one little shoot, and Jake, with little Barry Sanders juke. Exactly. Uh, but the eighth overall pick, four carries, twenty yards, and a six-yard catch. It was a kind of a highlight catch. Oh yeah, it was a one-handed one.
1: He got a one. It was one-handed but, catch.
2: But, but whenever you're watching Rojo, just like last year, he's running through arm tackles. Mm-hmm. Right, he's breaking tackles. He had a 24-yard <laughs> run the first
1: preseason game for the Bears. He broke three tackles on that one run. Every run he's breaking <laughs> at least one arm
2: tackle, which is what we saw here for years at Texas. And, you know, between he, those two guys and Deuce Vaughn, also this kid Tajay Spears, the uh, running back for the from Tennessee two, Titans. From from
1: yeah, he's a good player. He's balling out in the preseason. Yeah, he's a, he's a good player. Uh, totally agree. And actually – a lot of good runny, young running backs having good preseason so far. I heard Jalen Warren actually was good for Pittsburgh. Yeah. Remember him from Oklahoma State not too long ago. Uh, but anyway, I was looking at, you know, it, and actually I'm glad you brought up Bijan and Rojo because it got me to thinking about like how, tr- really, how transcendent. And extraordinary, both of those guys were last season, in helping infuse juice in the Texas run game. We saw that Texas run game without that juice with Bijan and Rojo in the bowl game. And we saw Texas average, you know, less than – Four yards per carry as a as a as a team running the football, and they just really didn't have any balance in that running game. And I went and looked at some of the stats from BJ and Rojo, and I realized why Texas struggled in that Washington game in the Alamo Bowl because I think Sark just had. He just really had training wheels, essentially, for the running game last year. And the training wheels with Bijan Rojo, almost everything would work. Uh, Nothing, I think, could really deter or derail the running game last season, give props to TCU. But you just had two elite talents in that regard. Texas was second in the country last year in yards after contact as a team. Uh, per carry, uh, it was 3.66, right behind LSU at 3.69. Texas led the country in broken tackle rate or forced missed tackle rate uh, at 28%. Bijan averaged 5.8 yards per rush versus stacked boxes, more defenders. Uh, sorry, that's more defenders than blockers. Uh, he averaged 3.3 yards per rush when he was hit at or behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, he 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 set the college football focus record actually for most uh, forced missed tackles in a season with 104 and yet Rojo actually had a higher broken tackle rate than Bijan in the last two years crazy I mean look at and, and, and Rojo averaged 4.2 yards after contact per carry Bijan 4.1 yards after contact per carry the point is they were really elite, and they would be able to turn negative plays into positive plays, and we saw the result of the running game without that infusion of elite talent in the in the bowl game. And I think bringing in guys like Paul Christ are going to help that and Sark having more innovation, creativity in the run game are going to help that, but also the offensive line, the maturation and the development of the Texas O-line. This is a big part of why you're hearing that DJ Campbell is getting a lot of first-team reps and might have won that competition at that guard spot over Cole Hudson is because he's a road grader. He's a guy that, as Tom Herman always say, he can move another human being against their will. And they need more of those guys on the offensive line. And that's why if you're hoping that the, that the, the run game doesn't have a huge regression, if it doesn't, it'll be because of the offensive line. If it does, it's because the offensive line didn't take enough of a leap forward in the run game, but also in pass blocking. I went back and looked at the 19 sacks, every sack. I went back and looked at every sack Texas offensive line gave up last season, Try to see if I could find any patterns, any trends, anything that stood out. And I found one thing that stood out to me. And e, it was actually the Baylor game that stood out the most. Yeah. Now, Baylor had the most sacks against Texas of any team, and Dave Miranda is a brilliant defensive mind. So we're not shocked that he came up with a really good scheme and game plan for Texas. Uh, but he, he, you can tell that he took the sample size of everything that Texas uh, had been presented with off in terms of their offensive line defensively from the season, and he put together a really effective game plan. And essentially what he did, just to – explain it in layman's terms, Uh, he put together a lot of what they call ghost fronts or amoeba fronts. That's when you see seven to eight guys lined up across the line of scrimmage, some in two-point stances, some in three-point stances, but essentially they're going to use what they call simulated pressure. A blitz is when you have at least five guys rushing. A pressure could just be less than five. So it's not a blitz, it's a simulated pressure. It looks like a blitz. It sounds like a blitz, smells like a blitz. It's basically everything about uh, that that, that amoeba front or that ghost front that uh, you have all those guys lined up in the line of scrimmage, it, all, it says to the quarterback, and it, it really alerts the offensive line, there will be a blitz. But it's a pressure, which means out of those seven guys lined up across the line of scrimmage, you're going to drop three, you're going to send four. Problem is, the offensive line has no idea which four and which three. Which four you're sending, which three you're dropping. Hey, you could send three and drop four. They really don't know. The whole point is that confuses the blocking scheme. No matter what pass protection they set, where they slide the protection, there's a good chance they're going to have a free rusher. And who's responsible for the free rusher? Quarterback. So more of a burden on your young quarterback. He's not only thinking about, i got to set the protection. i got to get this right. But he's also freaking out about, that's going to be a free rusher because we're definitely going to wow. get some of this pass protection wrong. And I think that's why you heard Quinn yours earlier this year, and I love this moment, and it, it, gave me, it got me giddy. Now, I was titillated after I heard a young quarterback say this. He said, setting a pass protection right actually is more satisfying or just as satisfying as throwing a touchdown pass. That is the maturity of a young quarterback, E, turning into a veteran quarterback and knowing it doesn't matter what the route combination we got called is, how open Xavier Worthy is, what the one-on-one matchup that's advantageous to us is. If I don't set the protection, all of it's moot. It doesn't matter. i got to get the protection right. Step one, and I think that's a big part of next season. And trust me, with Alabama, you will see a lot of those ghost and amoeba fronts. Out of those five sacks that Baylor had, four out of four of those five sacks, they used ghost and or amoeba fronts and simulated pressures. And Nick Saban in Alabama sacked Texas three times in that game. How about this, E? Two of those three simulated pressures. So I can almost guarantee it. you. You're going to see a lot of them. You're going to see a lot of it. Alabama week two. Well, <laughs> even
2: Rice. I mean, uh, because again, if you go back to that Baylor game, remember it vividly where, you know, I remember Hayden Connor, the person who was supposed to block, he slid away from him, and let him come free, and hit Quinn Yours. But that's because the protection wasn't set. They are,
1: right. Yeah, they, they said it, but it was like, that's my job. It's like, yeah, but you guy, it, you let him free.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, because the quarterback maybe didn't communicate it or they didn't read it right as a line and a quarterback. Uh, and obviously, for a quarterback, Rod, if you're, if you're actually blitzing and you're bringing five or you're bringing extra people, you, are, you have an automatic hot route, You right? cleaned it. look, yeah. Yeah, you know okay. where your hot is if you're, if you're a good quarterback. Well, if they drop seven and only bring four but confuse you, there's not a hot. It's covered. Mm-hmm. And that's, where, that's when that's when you'll see point. Quinn yours look and go, oh shoot, my hot's covered. It's a great now what am I going to do? And we saw that against Baylor several times where he just didn't know where to go with the ball and just looked oh looked lost because it, it'll happen. You know, Bill Belichick is famous for doing this to quarterbacks and making them see ghosts. Like, that's exactly
1: right, especially young quarterbacks, rookies.
2: Yeah, make yep. them think they're seeing one thing and give them another, and they're like, well, where would that guy come from? Mm-hmm. He was supposed to be not there. Uh, and that is that's defensive. And then Dave Aranda is very good at that. But yes, Quinn yours will see more. But if you're right. And he's developed as a QB and is now able to set that protection and still get into the play they want to get into. Trust your offensive line. Okay, they're only bringing four, y'all. Yeah, you got we got five. Yeah, we got five. We're we, good. We, and they're standing up. We could either check to a run play because you got guys standing up that we should be able to power through and mm-hmm. get the leverage advantage, or we can block four and we still have our play. Just the quarterback has to stay engaged, go through his progressions, and trust his line that they've set the protection properly. That's the development of in the next phase. Because if yep. you do, you got weapons who will be open.
1: I totally agree. And and I thought Washington would probably steal some of those concepts. They didn't. Mm -mm. Washington went with a more organic pass rush, uh, and Texas actually gave up two sacks versus Washington against. I mean, you're talking about four man rushes against six, and seven, and eight man protections. That cannot happen. So they they really the the Uh, offensive line had two back to back uh, subpar games in pass protection.
2: Having been at both of those games, the Baylor game and then at that game. Offensive line was confused because Dave Aranda confused him. The offensive line just didn't have a good game at in, all In Washington, yes. against Washington. I they didn't get it. much push. Yep. I don't know if it was the holidays, the weeks off, or whatever. They just and I know they didn't have Bijan or Rocha on there both watching the game. It just it was not a, their best day. And uh they did not pop off the ball. They didn't they got beat. I mean, they got beat at the line of scrimmage, and Washington you know, seemed like they wanted that game a little bit more Agreed. in the lines of scrimmage, and yeah. uh, we'll see. Good stuff right there in Rod's rant. That's not a rant. That is some deep dive analysis that you need for Texas football, and I agree with him 100%. I've said this a lot. If Texas can run the football this year with this improved run game, uh, where our offensive line running game because of you know guys like DJ Campbell, mm-hmm. you know, if, if they have that and Quinn Ewers then has play action off of it, this will be a really hard offense to stop. This will mm-hmm. be a yep. really hard. Off- you, I hear you give the stat all the time about Dak Prescott when he has play action and how much better quarterback he is. Any quarterback's better. Every quarterback's better. But, but better. the play action doesn't work if you're not running the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, the play action will not. They won't bite on it if the, they're handling their business up front. If they can develop a running game with Jonathan Brooks and C.J. Baxter, this this offense gets really scary because there are multiple options, and then that means man coverage, which is an easier read for the quarterback. Yes, sir. And it comes off play action, which sucks up a linebacker. And you makes know makes those windows wide like, open, yeah, <laughs> big windows. But that's oh the key. Geez. Now, if they can't run the ball, then you get a little worried, like oh, geez, um, you know, because you got to have that. You makes have everything that tougher if you can't if you don't have balance to be able to run the ball. And then I think you started that whole r- rant with a great point. How much did you watch Roshan and Bijan now? How much did they over? Did they cover up? They covered up a lot. And how much better is that offensive line to not need covering up? Because as good as Jonathan Brooks or CJ Baxter can be, they're not those two.
1: They're not being Jonathan Rojo. They're That's all they're exactly. They That's all those two. They're great, but they're not being Jonathan Rojo. They're going to need a little, little more. All right, <laughs> we'll, we'll come
2: seasoning. back. Uh, when we do, we'll talk to Pete Futak, a uh, college football expert and insider with College Football News. He's the publisher of that great website. His thoughts on number 11 and number 10 in our countdown Washington and Utah coming next.
0: Rod Papers, Austin, Texas, sports the horn.
2: All right, for the top of the hour, we'll uh, play a little Who Said That? Who, Who said, said that? that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might be a good spot to give a uh, little love to our man, Bill Little, and his family who passed away over the weekend. God bless. Because he said it a lot, wrote a lot, did a lot for the University of Texas over the decades. R.I.P. And, uh, you know, you knew Bill Little, the longtime, legendary sports information director. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, as we said, 1968, he came to Texas to work in the media department after graduating in 64 and then being the sports editor at the Daily Texan, and then from 68. Until eighty two, he worked there. But then in eighty two, became the director of of the of the, or of the uh... Daily Texan. Well, no, no, he no. became the director of the the, the sports information department. Oh, ah, okay. He yes, took control, and yeah. you know, you could argue helped shepherd in the whole era of media information. Like, uh, you know, how do you how do you use your knowledge of this team to help the media write a, the better story or the right story? Mm-hmm. Or oh, yeah. I mean, getting the information That's out. Great point. I mean that you know, Bill Little was one of the absolute legends of that and uh, gosh did it all the way until his retirement in 2014 Bill Little passed away on Friday at the age of 81 uh, of natural causes but man
1: a legendary lifetime longhorn himself now now he's in a legendary category
2: well and if you if you will beg my pardon in our who said that segment I want to play his his tribute you know, cuz he did the our longhorn legend today Uh, (laughs) His tribute to Bill of uh, Darrell Royal, the story he told of the great great Darrell Royal. Yeah, that's a good one. We'll have to play that before the top of the hour. But right now it's college football. We're we're about five days away to the start of the season, six days. Games on Saturday. Of course, 12 days to the Longhorn opener with the Rice Owls. But that means we're getting closer and closer to number 1 in our Horn Top 20 countdown. All right, that is the fight song of the Utah Utes, the champions of the Pac-12 one year ago. One year ago, or last season, not even a year ago. Mm -hmm. They won the Pac-12, beat USC twice. (sighs) Then how about USC then, Rod, because we're going to preview them on our way to number 1. They went to the Cotton Bowl got beat by Tulane. Exactly. Because it became pretty clear (laughs) how to beat USC. Run the ball.
1: Bully ball, man. Make them tackle.
2: Make them tackle. Make USC
1: tackle you. They don't like the tackle.
2: Well, and if you found out last year with USC if you didn't turn the ball over cuz they were all very, their defense wasn't very good but it's very opportunistic. They forced a ton of turnovers USC did. Mm-hmm. If you could protect the ball and then bully them with your run game, you could beat USC. You wonder if yep. you know people are assuming USC's kind of fixed that this year. We'll see to go with Kayla Williams in the offense, but uh um, we have Utah behind them, as we had Washington at number eleven on Friday. And with that in mind, can we go to the Vaqueros Hotline and preview both of those teams, number eleven and number ten, with our friend Pete Futak of College Football News, that great website and uh, wealth of knowledge when it comes to college football. Pete, how are you?
0: Let me just like fast forward here for you. Uh, yeah, USC fixed the glitch. Uh, they, they 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 loaded up on the transfer portal for that defensive front. So it's going that – that is a team that is going to be far, far better on both sides of the ball this year.
2: You think so? So USC up in our top five or six is is where you have them as well.
0: Yeah, they're going to make the college football playoff. I mean, they they are there. I mean, because as long as 13 stays healthy – and as long as he doesn't have, you know, the is, doesn't had those hamstring problems he had in the Pac-12 championship. You know, it, this is Lincoln Riley. You know, he's doing for USC what he did in Oklahoma, only with a lot better players. And so this offense is going to still be amazing. And, again, I think they have – I think it's something crazy like the entire two deep of the uh, the front six is coming from the transfer portal with a uh, a solid rotation. So – uh, it's not going to be Georgia, but it's certainly going to be a much better defense, and that's really all they kind of need.
1: Hey, Pete, I heard uh, Kyle Whittingham uh, recently say about, and he was talking about football in general, that defense you know, doesn't win championships as much anymore. Now it's about focusing on offense. Um, has Utah, even though they're still a hard-nosed, blue-collar football team, um, have they shifted now to an offensive mindset to reflect kind of what Kyle Whittingham's uh, saying?
0: Not really. They they did make a flip seven or eight years ago where they started to uh, get away from just the ground and pound and started to pass it around a little bit more. But the principles are still there, like you mentioned, that you know they they, they essentially took what Wisconsin did and applied it to the Pac-12, where just big giant men on the lines dominate defensively up front, own the time of possession. Be more physical than everyone else. Don't turn the ball over penalties. It sounds simple, but it's what they've been able to do and keep that thing going, and that's why, if anything, they've been extremely underappreciated and underrated for what they've been able to do over the last several years, and that's going to continue. The big, giant, huge problem, though, is that they don't have a quarterback. Cam Rising's hurt. Uh, He injured his knee late in the uh, Rose Bowl He's probably back at some point. They're not counting on him for the Florida game. And then their backup just got hurt. I, I think it was a bad hamstring injury. I could be wrong on that. It was, it was, it was something bad enough where they're looking. They have options. Uh, they, the guy who filled in for Rising is, is ready to step up and play, but they got to deal with Florida. They got to deal with Bay, uh, Trip 2 Baylor. So, it's going to be a tough start to the season, but they're assuming that Rising's back maybe by week three or four. At least that's the hope. Uh, and that's going to really dictate the Pac 12 season. So, you might have two Utahs this season where they might not be great early on just because of that quarterback situation. Uh, and Florida's still pretty good. Um, but from the middle of the year, you look at their schedule, and they are built to, again, to at least play for the Pac-12 championship.
2: Great insight from Pete Futak of College Football News. If you go to that great website, by the way, collegefootballnews.com, where he is the publisher, you will see all the previews of all of these teams. And you just said it. I mean, uh, without Cam rising, and that schedule comes at him hard, hard early – they, you know, they played at the swamp and against Florida last year, and then down that they get the return engagement at Utah. And then they play in Waco on September the 9th against the Baylor Bears. So we'll learn a lot about those two teams early. Then they have UCLA two weeks later. So you know, three of their first four games. I mean, they they're going to need a quarterback, someone if they're going to not start one and three.
0: Yeah, they. Do. Here's the thing though, they win at home. It is a. It's if it's anybody who invests has figured this one out, where. They, they're strangely, weirdly bad on the road. The, their game doesn't travel. You know, that, that's where, here's where the difference between the old Wisconsin type is. Wisconsin could come in just you knew it was coming. The, they don't beat top teams when they get away from Salt Lake City for the most part, it, it's, it's, uh, especially against the spread. Uh, at home though, <laughs> that is a whole different ball game. I mean, cause you do have the elevation, you do have the different, uh, atmosphere. So I do think they get by Florida. Baylor is not a top 15 ish team. So that should be a 50, 50 game. So they should be able to get through this UCLA going through a bunch of changes. So, uh, again, those home games are going to be great are going to be fine for Utah. It's just when they go on the road, that's going to be the problem. But again, as this shakes out, they should be good enough to be right in the mix of the uh, uh, the Pac-12 title again, and, but maybe not the college football playoffs. So that's kind of why they don't get a whole lot of attention because they, they tap out the college football playoff race early. They did last year, uh, but they're still going to be very, very good.
2: As usual, as we say, Kyle, Kyle Whittingham took over from Urban Meyer in 05, and he's still there, Rod. Still, still
1: getting up, still winning. <laughs> hey,
2: can we, hey, can we pick your uh, your brain on the, our team number 11? That was Washington. We saw them in the Alamo Bowl last year, beat sure. Texas, and Michael Penix is back and uh, loaded at receiver. Their offense should be great. Defense, they think, is going to be improved, especially in the pass game. I mean, that's a team, if USC's not playing for the college playoff, they feel like they could coming off a 11-12 win season a year ago, Washington Huskies. Can they keep Penix
0: healthy? I mean, he's that, that offense that came from Florida State, uh is still i'm sorry fresno state is still amazing and but it depends on penix jr being able to stay in one piece he couldn't do that in indiana he had horrible horrible luck i mean i think he had like three knee injuries yeah or at least it was two major knee injuries and a shoulder problem i mean he just never could stay in one piece and he finally did it that last year, and that's partially because of the design of the offense that gets the ball out of his hands in a hurry and just lets him wing it around and doesn't open him up to a whole lot of shots. But if you've you, you got to assume that, that they are still going to be bombing away. They're going to try to be a little more physical defensively because Washington D last year was underwhelming and too many shootouts. So the hope would be that you don't have to you know throw for 360 yards a game, but that's probably what they're going to do. Uh, but the defense is going to be a little bit better. They're very good, but the problem overall, and this is going to go for any of these Pac-12 teams is, you know, where's your free space other than Stanford this year? If you're assuming Colorado's better, Arizona state should rise up again pretty quickly. Uh, Arizona is going to be really dangerous. So while Washington's good, it, in, in talking college football playoff, you got to go 11 and one and then win the Pac-12 title. Everyone except maybe you, there's USC and there's kind of everyone else. Who's you know? Where's the free space game in their in their conference schedule? I mean, Oregon State's nasty, Washington State's nasty, so they're going to be very very good. They're going to be very in the mix. Uh, I just think they're just a slight tier below uh, USC, uh, Oregon, and Utah when it comes to win the pac title.
1: Hey, Pete, um, what do you think about the Pac-12 in terms of quarterback talent? Are they the most talented quarterback uh, conference right now in terms of Caleb Williams? You just talked about Michael Penix, Jr. I'm looking at all the other Power Five conferences or even the other conferences, and I don't think they actually can uh, compete with the Pac-12's quarterbacks.
0: By 100 miles. I yeah. mean, give me, who's the signature star? Like, obviously, if you're in the southeast part of the country, give me the SEC signature star this year. Like who, who, who's the guy who is, it's the se freaking C, you know, you don't have Bryce Young, yeah. you don't have, you know, that, that obvious, obviously they're good. Obviously they've got quarterback talent. Uh, get, who's the signature star in the big 10 this year? The J.D. McCarthy, really? I mean, cause like you just, you don't have that quarterback talent there, at least the known quarterback lines that you have in other spots. He, he just keep going with the Pac-12. Caleb Williams, Michael Pennings Jr., Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. Jeter Sanders is going to be an NFL star. Oh, yeah. My guy, is my guy, DJ Lele. I, I, I think the, the change of scenery is going to do him wonders. And from all reports, he is letting it rip at Oregon State. And if he puts it all together, he, that's number one overall draft. That's like the guy who goes from being kind of forgotten about to being Joe Burrow uh, or you know, one of those types who just all of a sudden is like, wait a minute here. We got a 6'4, 245 pound guy who can move with every tool in the box. He, he's got it all and just keep on going. Every every single team in the Pac 12 has a quarterback. And there's like six or seven who are good enough to end up in the mix to be all conference quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, assuming that, you know, Caleb Williams is the one on here. But uh, they're. You're right. It is going to. It's the. It's the tough part about this is the Pac-12 dissolves and goes away. Every team and every game is going to be fun. And unfortunately, if you don't have the Pac-12 network, which if you're a streaming person of you <laughs> TV or something like that, you don't have this. So we get the first weekend where I believe you can watch. I think I got this right. but I think you can watch UMass and New Mexico State on ESPN. And good luck finding USC and Caleb Williams playing uh, the opening game of the year against San
2: Jose State. Unbelievable, nice. Pete Puetzak. Great stuff right there, as usual. Like USC to play in the college football playoffs. So that's got that out of the way early, out of the out of the Pac-12. And then yeah, Utah, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State should be a dogfight. fight. Even got you go all the way down to Arizona. Quarterback Jaden Delora is a really good player. Uh, at the QB position. It's kind of the QB conference of the year, without a doubt. And people forget that DJ Uyunglele transferred from Clemson to Oregon State to get back to the West Coast, and he is out there as well with the Beavers. Hey, thank you, Pete. We appreciate it, my friend. And uh, we'll check in and encourage our folks to get over our college football junkies. Collegefootballnews.com is as good as it gets. Thank you. Thanks. Anytime, guys. You have a good one.
0: You are good Thanks, Pete.
2: Yeah, good, good question there, because yeah, man, it's loaded at quarterback.
1: It is. I was just thinking about there aren't a lot of great quarterbacks. I was looking at the Georgia announcement; that they announced their starting quarterback. And I was like, there's not a lot of proven, veteran quarterbacks in the around game. the country.
2: Yeah, well, but well, the because Pac-12
1: has an abundance of them. <laughs> yeah, well,
2: Georgia's got Carson Beck named. Yeah, he's the guy. Ohio State's breaking in a new quarterback. Alabama's breaking in a new quarterback. I mean, maybe if you're going back to the deep south, south and not worry about conference, Cade Klubnik. At Clemson, that's a might great be point. the best quarterback. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, I of didn't course, think about course, right. you know the kid Jordan Travis at Florida State. Notre Dame gets Hartman from Wake Forest as yeah. a transfer, and then a uh, veteran. You know yeah, that's why
1: Quinn Ewers is in a prime spot. It's like, hey man, there aren't a lot of veteran quarterbacks who are returning in the Big Twelve. He's really among the power players, I should say, in college football right now,
2: without a doubt. A lot of turnover, without a doubt, and. You're you're looking, you know, at, at Jalen Daniels at LSU. I mean, yes, he's, he's big, maybe the best in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Coming back, established. That's Why big. SEC will be in most people's top five or six in the country as yep. well. All right, great stuff right there, Pete Futak. College football news previews of all these teams on our way to number one. Uh, we'll have number nine tomorrow on our way to the top spot. Uh, all the way coming up, gosh, a week from Friday, we'll be at number one here in the Horn. It's Ian Rod, top baby. twenty countdown coming back. Who said that? We'll play a little round of it. Good, good sound and good audio from the weekend.
0: Aaron Hogan. You just gotta keep living, man. Rod Babers. L I V I N. E and Rod B on the horn. Ooh,
2: that. Who, said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Lots said over the weekend. Rod Babers Who and I. That? Who said that? Who said that? I got to start with this, there, Rodby. I I don't know if you saw this, but uh, so I did see this. At this is the awesome. end of uh, so at the end of the week, a video got on. Somebody, by the way, mentioned Drake May as a quarterback to put at the uh, yes over in the ACC. ACC so shizzle. you know, Pac twelve quarterback S- conference this year. ACC with uh you know Cade Klubnik's emergence, Drake May, uh Jordan Travis. It at, might be the at,
1: second at, best quarterback league behind the Pac twelve this and year. It,
2: and if Sam Hartman had come back, well, I guess ACC you could consider Notre Dame. They do That's they play true, that the affiliation. you yeah. right, they you do put affiliate. put Sam Hartman in there, too. Good point. Uh, so, yeah, for sure. As far as established QBs who we know can play, uh, ACC and Pac-12, who are the two conferences that are in trouble right now in college football. Of course, the Pac-12 is dissolving. That's true. they got good quarterback play. <laughs> uh, the ACC is uh, looking for it. But, obviously, it's because they're replacing top quarterbacks at some of the, the big names this year. But I wanted to play this for you. So, Pete Carroll.
1: Speaking of quarterback.
2: Pete Carroll playing quarterback. <laughs> 70-year-old Pete Carroll. Was at Seahawks practice? Of course, the Seahawks beat the Cowboys in that preseason game mm-hmm. on Saturday night. In that game, Geno Smith looked good. Geno Smith looked good. Jackson Smith in Jigba. Oh, man. He was a steal. Touchdown.
1: He was a steal in the draft. That He's going to be is... a
2: problem because you got him and Tyler Lockett and D.K. Metcalf. Yeah. They're going to be good. Can't
1: double all of them.
2: Can't double them all, and they can <laughs> run the ball with... Uh, you no, know, Kenneth Kenneth Walker Kenneth III, Walker. Mm-hmm. and they drafted Zach Charbonneau out of USC, UCLA. So watch Seattle in that. They were a playoff team a year ago. They could be improved yep. with another good haul during the NFL draft, including Jackson Smith and Jigba. But so for fun, Pete Carroll's out, you know, playing quarterback quarterback at 70 years old <laughs> throwing dimes. No-look passes. Yeah. He did it.
1: No-look pass and completed it, too.
2: And that video got out and people were having fun with 70-year-old Pete Carroll <laughs> running around like Pat Mahomes, throwing the ball. And so schooling the guy. So give, give the Seattle Seahawks digital team credit. They put this video together. Let's see Fantastic. if you can discover who is saying this. It's a series of people calling out Pete Carroll for abusing his secondary. Pete Carroll. The nerve of you to treat your players with such abuse. You should be sanctioned, dog.
1: I thought you was better. This is Snoop Dogg. On behalf of Death Row Records, you keep treating them players like that, abusing them, calling them out their name. I'm going to show up and show out because you know I'm a player. Get your shit together, Pete. I don't want to do it, but I will get your arrested.
0: Hey, coach, I got a video earlier today
2: uh, from one of your practices. It has me very concerned. Uh, I keep hearing about the abuse that you're putting on your defensive secondary, shredding them every day with your passes and your running. What are you doing?
0: These are young men out there. They're fighting for their livelihoods, for their jobs. And you make them look like little bitches, Okay? (laughs) You got to back off Because if you're going to make them Look like little bitches I'm going to make you my bitch Alright And you know I'll do it Back off bitch Back off Alright Whoa I had no idea you guys felt like that But hey you either
2: competing or you're not there you go. That was good. You the like first that?
1: one he gave it away, Snoop said it was him.
2: Snoop, Snoop. He said it was him. And then uh, you got the
1: second the one. The second one was it was a little tougher. It's Roger Goodell.
2: Roger Goodell. And then
1: the last one is easier because we know they're close. Will Ferrell, yeah, Will Ferrell and Pete course. Carroll. We know that they're, they're USC down. USC graduate yes, Will Ferrell. Yes, yes. From back then the end of the day. But that, <laughs> that's really good. You're right. You got to give their uh, social media team a lot of credit. That's pretty good. What do you got, got for me, Rod B? Uh, all right. We got this ready, Ty? uh this is you know what i will just play the audio and see if you can gather context clues as to who it is here's the audio
2: no i mean i I think you have to use your scars
1: in that sense and so to say i'm continuing to relive it it's past me at this point but a lot of a lot of the offseason was about that and uh with mike taking over as the play caller we went into details and sometimes Though there's, three, there's those three plays, there's a lot of details in that that allow those three plays to not be successful. And uh, that's what we've really focused on this, this training camp and this spring of cleaning that up, making sure receivers are on the same page, linemen are on the same page with my, my drops and receivers understanding where they've got to be and when they've got to be just so uh, op- operation just goes a whole lot smoother. So we're using the things that hurt us last year that are going to be our strength this year.
2: Uh, all right who said that that's dakota prescott yes it is that's dak prescott i know that Mm -hmm. voice he was
1: was asked by peter king what did you learn from your disastrous uh sequence to end your season in the playoffs versus the 49ers that the basically the the really bad sequence that essentially ended the hopes and dreams of cowboys fans to advance past the divisional round and beat the 49ers.
2: That's the the bar. That is the bar. Can they climb over the divisional round? Longhorn's Mm -hmm. bar is playing in and winning the Big 12 championship. That's the... If you get there, you better win it. That's you the need expectation. To win. That's the expectation, mm-hmm. and uh, getting past that divisional round of the NFC playoffs is the expectation for Dak, without a doubt. How about this one? You should know that you should know the call because it's a legendary call. But I needed to play it for you because it gets everybody pumped up. Oh, yeah. On a Monday morning, getting getting the little case of the Mondays. It was in Nashville on Saturday night. goes that. on for, like, another minute of him doing we that. We go on That's
1: fantastic. <laughs> that is great. I mean, those, I mean, why are the goal calls in soccer so much better than any other type of touchdown they don't of scoring calls? I guess they, you're you right. You to a for it. Yeah, you score a lot you of touchdowns. To, you're right. you, want you want a to win a game. That's true. You better make it count. Yeah, Messi
2: <laughs> with an amazing, uh, off an amazing angle with the left foot around three people. His 10th goal in seven matches with the, uh, Inter-Miami. They've gone from rock bottom in the league to being the League's Cup champions, and that was the Univision Call and they're great broadcaster. Oh, that was awesome. That so there you was go. great. And by the way, that, that game was one one at the end. That I mean, Messi was goal was the only goal, and then Nashville got the equalizer, and they went to penalty kicks, and they went they went to the tenth penalty kick. Rod, and it was goalie on goalie.
1: Oh, like, because you, they exhausted all the players. Yeah, you get down on wow. the flat I've never seen was, that before.
2: Me either. And it was goalie on goalie, and uh, the goalie for uh, Miami got the block. Got the block on Nashville's goal. And that's how they won. Wow,
1: that's great drama.
2: Great Man, MLS, ever since
1: Messi came, I mean, they're getting everything that they could have hoped for. He's he's basically become the biggest star in that league, and he's made Inter Miami essentially like the best team in the league. That's crazy. That can't be. We'll see how the regular season actually plays out. If they end up being the best team in MLS after making just a couple of acquisitions and him Messi being the main one, that would be pretty historic. We got to go see if there's any other example of that in sports.
2: You know, the best teams right now in the MLS are St. Louis franchise, which is uh, expansion, and Cincinnati. Wow. That's... They're brand new to the league, too. They're one They're one in the what East. Is it,
1: what is it about being a startup I franchise? I don't know if
2: they made the town the, uh, acquisition easier or oh. what, but uh, we'll have some more who said that coming up. Also, a tribute to the legendary Bill Little. We'll let you hear uh, his commentary about the legendary Daryl Royal in a fitting way to... Uh, to pay respects to the late, great Bill Little coming up. It'll be our fabulous fifth hour. The fifth quarter is on its way of Rod and uh, E and Ian e Rodby coming next. Appreciate you being there, however you're finding us on 1019, AM 1260, and of course streaming. Make sure you find it and download that Horn app through your smartphone. Listen to us wherever you go. Also at hornfm.com and on our YouTube channel. Subscribe there today. We've got you live and local every day, all day, five days a week right here on Ian e Rodby.